0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Learn more about the upcoming ACB Legislative Seminar and Part 1 of an update on Choices in Accessible Cell Phones. Welcome to ACB Reports for February 2015. On February 20th, members of the American Council of the Blind from across the country will gather in Arlington, Virginia, for the organization's annual legislative seminar. This event will include face-to-face visits with a number of U.S. representatives, senators, or their staff members. Eric Bridges, Director of External Relations and Policy for the American Council of the Blind, says the participants will be taking important messages back to Congress this year.
1: The mid-year meetings are taking place February 21st, 22nd, 23rd. And the Hill Day for the Legislative Seminar is going to be on February 24th. So we'll start things off with the National Board of Directors meeting for the American Council of the Blind on February 21st. The Affiliate Presidents meeting for ACB is that Sunday, the 22nd. That's for all special interest and state affiliate presidents and leaders. And then uh, that Monday, the 23rd of February, will be the ACB Legislative Seminar where we will discuss a myriad of different issues. But chiefly will be at least two legislative imperatives for 2015. And they are essentially the same imperatives that we've had for the last 12 months, which is the Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act, which is the legislation that deals with special education for children, kindergarten through 12th grade. And it really speaks to how kids are being taught who are blind or visually impaired or deaf and deafblind within our education system, the challenges that the Department of Education has and really knowing how many kids there are with these disabilities out in the public school system, which is a little shocking, what sort of guidance the Department of Education gives to states when they're going through their planning, what the states then are doing to ensure that kids who are blind or visually impaired are receiving adequate education in the areas of Braille or O&M or other what we call expanded core type areas which you know are things such as being able to independently navigate a lot of the challenges that we've observed within our own community in the blind community is that there's a lot of blind kids that are fairly high achievers from an academic standpoint but when they leave to go off to college or community college they oftentimes lack some life skills orientation mobility, being able to get around with a cane or a dog guide, or being able to independently wash their own clothes. These are skills that are absolutely necessary in order to uh, live an independent, successful life. And so the cogswell macy Act, which is what we're calling it, gets to that sort of area, as well as ensuring that the teachers of the visually impaired are being coached up on the latest and greatest technologies, handing a kid an iPad, does that kid no good if he or she doesn't know how to use it and or isn't adequately trained on how to use it because, as we all know, there's a learning curve with all of this technology, so it gets to some of that stuff as well. This bill has not yet been reintroduced, so there's not a bill number attached to it yet, With any new Congress, this is always the big challenge, getting bills reintroduced in a timely fashion. The other imperative that we have, we're sort of going from one age range to another, and that is the Medicare coverage for low vision devices bill that was introduced last Congress. It is awaiting introduction as well, but we expect both of these bills to be reintroduced very soon. This bill seeks to have certain low vision devices covered by Medicare. Back in 2008, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services really made a very narrow interpretation of something that's known as the eyeglass exclusion. Since about the mid-1960s, Medicare has not covered eyeglasses or contacts. In 2008, they extended that regulation to include literally anything that has a lens in it. So, that includes any sort of low vision device. In particular, what we're looking to do with this legislation is to have a five-year national demonstration project that would look at what a permanent change to Medicare would look like from a cost perspective if Medicare were to cover the most robust low vision devices that are sold on the market today. These are the devices that you know would incorporate a power source or a light source and would be able to remain with the individual as their visual acuity changes. So we're not really talking about handheld magnifiers that you could go purchase at like a Walgreens or a Walmart. We're talking about Uh, more sophisticated devices that will enable somebody to remain in their home and independent for a longer period of
0: time. Of course, some of the congressional and uh, senatorial staff people, obviously, and and some of the congressmen and senators, too, have changed since last time. But uh, we're basically giving them more or less the same information with a few added updates and uh, hopefully more positive information about why these things are important.
1: Exactly. Yeah, The substance of the legislative text will be essentially the same. Just a little bit of tweaking here and there. But yes, obviously there's a great need and interest within the blind community to take both of these issues to Congress as uh, evidenced by the level of interest by our members and the broader blind community within the last Congress. Last year you may recall we held a teleseminar in march to talk about this low vision device issue and we had over 300 people participate on the call which is a lot 100 120 is about the average and we wound up going an extra 30 minutes because so many people were in queue to ask questions so this issue along with the Cogswell macy act are ones that resonate with a lot of folks again very few things in our community, from a legislative standpoint, ever move through the legislative process in a fast manner. Then again, the things that uh, generally mean the most and that are the most important to you don't ever happen overnight.
0: And you have to work harder to make them happen. at all. Yes, you do. So- So on Monday, during the legislative seminar portion of this gathering in Washington, you will have various speakers presenting facts about the two imperatives, along with some instructions and orientation for the Hill for those who've never been there. And what else?
1: That's all going to be covered, plus there will be other issues that we cover. Um, We'll talk a little bit about some legal advocacy that ACB has been involved with, mentioning Talking just a little bit about the lawsuit that we filed against the General Services Administration last April, uh, dealing with the inaccessibility of a website that really bars blind independent federal contractors from from
0: being being independent federal contractors.
1: From yes, exactly. There's that. There is the ongoing challenges that we continue to have with the government implementing the court order for accessible currency. We'll have a couple of speakers from the Department of Transportation dealing with some proposed regulations that will be coming out later this spring or summer from the Department of Transportation dealing with the accessibility of in-flight entertainment systems on aircraft, um, as well as uh, potential rulemaking dealing with uh, service animals. the luncheon speaker this year will be David Capozzi, who's the executive director of the U.S. Access Board. Uh, the U.S. Access Board is a independent federal agency that really oversees a lot of the um, technical components of uh, laws like the ADA in terms of addressing the built environment and the regulatory Uh, technical standards for all sorts of different things within our built environment, be it sidewalks, intersections, uh, inside buildings, signage, uh, stuff pertaining to Braille on certain signage, all sorts of things. So it'll be good to have David come and talk a little bit about all of this stuff. It's incredibly important work. At times it can be a bit tedious from an advocacy standpoint, but the great thing about Mr. Capozzi is that he's able to talk through these issues in a way that is very interesting and uh, will allow for our attendees to gain a better understanding of where we stand today with regard to environmental accessibility.
0: For all of us, those who work, those who have to get to and from a grocery store, and uh, those going to school, these are all very, very important considerations. This year, there are a number of people who will be attending the seminar thanks to a stipend that has been awarded. How many people and organizations wound up with the stipend?
1: We are so thankful and appreciative of J.P. Morgan Chase for providing us with over 20 individuals from across the country to participate in the mid-year meetings. All of these individuals will be participating at the legislative seminar and the overwhelming majority of folks that are receiving these stipends are first-time attendees, which is fantastic. There are a few folks that have participated, but it has been many years since they have attended legislative seminar and we wanted to have them take part again. So this is a great opportunity to expose a new group of folks who may not be necessarily new to ACB, but a group of individuals around the country that have been active doing advocacy on the state and local level and expose them to the national legislative agenda of the American Council of the Blind.
0: That was Eric Bridges, Director of External Relations and Policy for the American Council of the Blind from the american council of the blind you're listening to acb
2: reports
0: not so long ago blind and low vision consumers had no choice when it came to cell phones that were accessible for anyone who could not read a screen that was because no such cell phone existed today thanks to the advocacy of the american council of the blind and many of its members These consumers have a variety of choices. During the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind last July, Brian Charlson, Chairman of the ACB Information Access Committee, introduced a panel that highlighted some of these choices.
2: It used to be that what we talked about in the blindness community was we need choice. That was a great thing. It was a great slogan. It was easy to say, easy to remember, easy to repeat in those elevator conversations with people. We need a choice. And then it started happening to us. And then we had to start to figure out, so which one do I choose? So what we thought we would do today is bring you a panel of three unique kinds of phone experiences. We have had great sponsors here. One of our sponsors is Sprint. So we'll be hearing from Sprint. We'll be hearing from a friend of mine who's going to be a, a pretty strong friendship over the past few years as we've been working on how can you make an Android phone even better. And we're going to hear that, you know, not every phone has to also be capable of washing the windows. You know, sometimes you want a phone to be a phone. Dr. Steve McCormick came to the Carroll Center and said, we're thinking about doing something different with an Android phone. What would you think if, and he started laying out a list of things, and I think you'll be very excited to hear what that list looks like and what that list could do. Please welcome Dr. Stephen McCormick to the microphone.
3: Thank you, Brian. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. I've worked in the area of blindness for some time. Throughout the course of really working within the field, I noted that there were some very gigantic gaps in the ability of, of the individuals. The three that came paramount to me were the independence first and foremost, the ability to communicate with loved ones, with friends, with the health professionals or whatever it may be. And then more broadly, the social networking that's taking place right now within many of the generation and, and At the Carroll Center, when we had something that was very rudimentary, it was really germination of a seed of of an idea, we worked with many of the young students there who came through for their training programs, so energetic, so charged, and so willing, and so brave. And we brought the engineers on site, and we were asking them, what is it that you want? What do you need? Where are the gaps? What do you see that we can do? And I'll show you the system in a little bit, Uh, The system is called Velasense, V-E-L-A-S-E-N-S-E. And the idea behind it is really to have an interconnectivity between taking any Android phone that you should decide to purchase, or a a tablet, or anything, because there, there may be many different form factors that you would like. You may like a small phone, a big phone, higher computing power, any number of those things. So what we wanted to do was avail yourselves of the possibility to be able to make choices. And that's what this is about the interconnectivity, the interwoven seamless nature of the product is essential to the success of that product. And then secondly is really the ability to access, to access your family, your friends, your calendar, your contacts, all those elements. And then what we've brought into there was also computer vision technology. So that we have very strong computer vision element to things. And we offer cloud services. So if you should desire to have a very large amount of storage of your images and share your images and have the ability to disseminate those images, then you can do that. And there are 36 different applications that are present right now. And you can seamlessly go between all of the pages. It gives you a very quick bar around the settings. The gesture, as far as it relates to the granularity and your flick gesture, we've mimicked and we've identified what the key components are within an iPhone because you don't want to have to necessarily relearn everything and the familiarity that you've built around that the muscle memory or the learning memories is is essential behind that so we have all of those gestures if you run through the pages here the 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 different functions I'll just let the phone do the talking
1: contacts phone message email clock the top page page 2 active calendar camera magnifier gallery Twitter, page three, YouTube, Google search, news, weather, bus, page four, Audiobooks, Audiobooks. music, radio, application, GPS, page five, app, barcode, color recognition, money recognition, text recognition, face recognition.
3: Yes, indeed, face recognition. The ability to be able to store a select group of the faces that you have, it's going to be launched within this application as well, which is really very critical because you can store all of these images within your files or your Facebook files or take a photo there and to be able to pick that out. Now keep in mind the form factor of this is not the most optimal because you have to hold the camera directly to to identify the face and that's just not a natural motion. But we firmly believe in the wearable technologies. We believe in the ability to have full voice control of this so you can imagine
2: where that would be headed. I'll tell you, when Dr. McCormick first brought this to the Carroll Center, and I was busy taking snapshots of all of uh, the Carroll Center staff so that I could walk into a meeting, sit at a table a little late, you know. I try not to be late to any meetings because I want to be there when introductions are done so I know who's sitting where. So I'm now showing up late, and we blame it on the Vices products, see, because now I can come in and just pan my phone across the room and see who's there. But you know what the kids wanted to do the most, The things all kids want to do, listen to music. They got a big kick out of the app that allows you to identify whether it's a ladies' room or a men's room. That was kind of fun. So it's exciting to see people think outside the box, and uh, that's certainly the case with this project. Now, when it's a big company, it's really hard to get their attention. But I'm telling you that Sprint is fully engaged in the question of accessibility, and you can tell because of the title of Jennifer Crutchfield and that is that she's involved in corporate responsibility. So as you hear Jennifer speak, keep in mind that what Sprint sent to us to talk to us about what's happening with Sprint phones is somebody whose title's all about responsibility of the entire company. Please join me in welcoming Jennifer to the podium.
4: Well, thank you for having me today. Our journey, as Brian mentioned, began several years ago with the ACB, and we have greatly valued all of our time with Brian, with Eric. Eric has definitely been one of our most key stakeholders in this community, and we really do appreciate you sharing him with us. I am Jennifer Crutchfield. I'm on the corporate responsibility team at Sprint, and I'm responsible for our social endeavors, and accessibility is the most important of those. In terms of Sprint, we have a long history Many people don't know it, but we were founded in 1899, actually, in the state of Kansas, where we are still headquartered today. So we were based around innovation. 24 years ago, we started a group called Sprint Relay, which is for our deaf and hard of hearing customers. Today, we are the industry leader in terms of Sprint Relay. We have over 30 state contracts and also the federal government. We realized that wasn't enough. And about four years ago, Eric was actually one of the very first people that came to Sprint and just said, what are you doing for the blind and visually impaired community? From there, we really began our journey. We knew that choice was extremely important, and we also realized that one device wasn't enough, and so we needed to continue innovating. We needed to work with groups like the ACB to be able to bring a wide range of solutions to this community, which we value so much. We know we've come a very long way, and we really do appreciate all of you who've stuck with us. We've gotten to meet a lot of you over the past couple days. And please continue sending your input our way. We really do listen, and we value it. We sat down four years ago, and it was a meeting with a lot of our senior vice president levels, and said, what are we going to strive toward? And what we came away from this was, we are going to be the provider of choice in the accessibility community. To be able to do that, we needed a lot of different solutions. We launched the iPhone in 2011 on both Sprint and Virgin Mobile, which is one of our prepaid brands. We also decided to start working with our product organization. And I have to say, they are wonderful, wonderful people. They began working on accessible feature phones, making sure that web browsers would be accessible to all. And they also began working on the Android platform. In 2012, at CES, we launched something called our Accessibility ID Packs. We launched five of them in partnership with a great group called Apps for Android, and they were tailor-made toward the blind and visually impaired community, with everything from navigation to currency identifiers to accessible news, etc. It was just a wonderful resource that had never been produced before. And for those of you not familiar with Sprint ID, it's a collection of applications only available on Sprint, Boost, and Virgin Mobile, our three brands, and they're tailor-made around a particular experience. And then later on, the following month, we also launched Code Factory's mobile accessibility for free on all of our brands for any customer who might want it. We heard at the time we were one of the few carriers in the world to offer this for free completely in its entirety, and we were really proud to be able to do that. Since then, we have launched four new accessibility-related ID packs on all of our brands, from Accessible Education, which is actually for children who are visually impaired or blind, to help with their educational needs. It's very focused around math and science. We also have launched one for Sprint Relay for our deaf customers, and another, which is near and dear to my heart, um, our active senior ID pack for anyone who identifies themselves as a senior in some form. And then last month, we launched something that I fondly refer to as Jack's Pack. It is our neurodiversity ID pack for children with autism, dyspraxia, and dyslexia. Our CEO announced this. He actually announced the past several packs. He's very proud of them. It was actually created by one of our product engineers whose son has dyspraxia. And he wanted to be able to take this beyond what he's learned to be able to help hopefully thousands of children out there. Since launch, we've had over 200,000 accessible ID packs downloaded and we've gotten some great feedback and if any of you use them, we would love your feedback as well. We have learned as a result that many of our developers are young. They love creating these applications and they really haven't been exposed much beyond what their experience is and they love collaborating to be able to share what we have learned with them as they broaden their customer base. In June of 2013, we launched the product that Brian was just talking about. It's called TalkBack. We were looking at the iPhone platform and decided, why can't we do this on Android? And some of our developers installed Google's TalkBack at activation. So someone who's blind or visually impaired is able to activate their own device without the need of a sighted person completely out of the box on their own. And our CEO announced this. He's very excited about it. He actually did a demonstration of it when he made the announcement. And it launched on the LG Optimus F3. Today, that phone is available on all of our prepaid brands as well. So someone is able to get that phone with a contract or without a contract at various different price points. And we've rolled this technology out to all of our LG phones, which have launched since then. Including our brand new flagship LG phone. So, again, it can be anything from a basic smartphone to the top of the line Android fancy phone that has recently launched. But we wanted to make sure there's a choice for all. In addition to that, we believe that this has really reached the maturity level of where iOS's voiceover can be. And we're working with our other providers now on seeing if that's something that can be rolled out beyond just the LG devices. In addition to that, <laughs> we also have our feature phones, so what I talked about before. In 2013, we launched the Kona, which was our very first accessible feature phone with an accessible web browser. That is now available on Boost as well. And then recently, we launched the Verve, which is our flagship accessible feature phone. And that is available on both Virgin and on Boost. We love the fact that our competition has also benefited from this when we've worked with LG, when we've worked with these other carriers before, they've been able to take this technology and roll it out across the world. So what we're doing with LG is available across the world now, benefiting so many customers who are blind or visually impaired, not just here in the US, but all over. As long as we launch it first, we are happy to be able to share that technology with others. In addition to these great phones, we also have lots of different data plans available. We don't believe that one size fits all. We are a carrier that is an unlimited. We have stuck with our unlimited guarantee. Um, But we do have prepaid. We have postpaid. You can buy any sorts of minutes, data, whatever different customers are looking for at all sorts of price points. So now I have to conclude this with quoting our designer who's really helped so much with all of this. Justin, unfortunately, cannot be here today. But he said to leave you all with this thought, Inclusive design means the same design interpreted easily through whatever means one is comfortable with. We really do believe this, and we're striving to continue to improve and to make this better. And we know our journey is not complete. We look forward to working with you, and we really do appreciate you giving us this chance to talk today. Thank you.
0: Learn more about the cell phone which does not wash windows during Part 2 of this discussion in an upcoming edition of ACB Reports. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide, on side 4 of the Braille Forum Cassette Edition, and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening,
3: and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.